0: atmosphere has been created. I do
1: now feel like I need to avenge the death of my father. <laughs> <laughs> He's not dead, but I True. do feel like I need to yes. ride on Has anyone got a copy of Bring Me the Head of Alfredo Garcia? <laughs> <laughs> <Not> <laughs> well, Paul's got a version,
0: but it, I, I don't think it's the version you're after. <laughs> 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 Moving on. Yes, uh, it's ten o'clock. It's time for uh, That There uh, Movie Hour with me, Paul Young. Me, Daniel Mumby. And me, Graham Fowler. Yes, there's an extra head in the room. Bit like the end of seven. And so let's crack on with the UK's top ten. Loving it. Right, Daniel's got the top ten, because we've apparently been working from an old uh, website. Well, that's because we're old and we're stuck in the past. Yeah, but it's Yahoo. Damn Yahoo. Update your... I'm, I've killed it. Sorry, I'm on the website. Anyway. we just yeah, yes. let's get Carry into on. it? <laughs> What's the number ten? Uh, it's the Green Hornet. So I should defer to both of YouTube. What did you think about it? I, I, I think it's,
1: about past two weeks. Well, yeah, we did. It's a lot better than you expect. You, you go. The thing is, maybe it's because you go in with the lower expectations, but it's actually a very funny, uh, very good film. I, I would, I would like a sequel, but I think only one more. Let's not franchise it. One more would do it, or even leave it as it is. Yeah. Uh, Cameron Diaz has reached a certain age where she can only plays certain roles, which is really interesting to play on that as well when he does the whole thing about her being so older. This movie will get a sequel simply because it's made an absolute fortune in Asia because the... The, the
0: star, the, the, June, yes. the, yeah, is is a major pop star in. Did you feel animation. weird when we were in the cinema, like I did, the fact that we were kind of surrounded by Chinese people, Beijing upon time. Yes, and it was the the short round joke where I mean you laughed out loud. And we, they didn't. We lol and we kind of looked at us thinking, we're gonna get killed.
1: <laughs> well, that's because, as Paul knows, every Chinese person has latent um, martial arts abilities. Sure. I, I I've been to China and I can uh, confirm this. True,
2: everyone's taking your chance. So, are we in Fisher King territory already, you know? He's the shock jock, and you've got to play Robin Williams. <laughs>
1: As long as I don't have to play with Robin Williams, he's a bit scary now. It does a good Justin Batman, though. Incidentally, uh, <laughs> off on a tangent, he is being rumoured to be uh, Dr. Hugo Strange in the new, uh, Batman movie, which would work brilliantly. Um, uh, well, because he, he was in the remake of Insomnia with Christopher Nolan. Which so that, is a brilliant movie. It is very good, so I wouldn't rule that out, to be just, just, to bring Paul in on this, to cheer him up a little bit, make it more sort of infantile, the, one of the leading guys on the film, Insomnia, is also in Batman, and his name's Willie Fister. Wally Fister. Wally Fister. Sorry, I even got that wrong. Uh, but there you go, you see. Just, just to bring Paul back in on this, he was looking a bit. What's the number nine, Daniel? <laughs> it's, uh, it's Brighton Rock, which
2: is an interesting reimagination of the Graham Green Greene novel. You know, depending on your view, it's either just a re adaptation of the novel or a remake of the 1947 version starring the baby faced Richard Attenborough. I said last week, if you're interested in his early performances, go and watch Ten Rings and Place, in which he plays a serial killer. I mean, there's a lot of people out there who have written saying, you know, how dare this film, how dare it kind of go on an untouchable classic. And personally, a lot of Graham Green Greene film adaptations are very overrated i mean where do you stand on the third man
1: i, I tend not to he gets very upset if i do <laughs> i haven't seen kidding. the whole I, I have to say i haven't seen the whole film well, uh, the, yeah. i know of it and i know it's importance. i think his best performance though was when he was narrating the blue planet mm-hmm. this is attenborough you're talking <laughs> about how oh, very good <laughs> sorry <laughs> i had to bring, just... bring it for the, for, for the masses there um, the performance i'm going to go back on to uh, attenborough in the film the original film yes. is it, it works because you don't expect him to be acting in that manner yeah i know I've obviously around in places murderer, but we we tend to now think of uh dickie attenborough in a, in a much more of uncular life yeah he's a kindly uncle is very much the jurassic park role which on a total tangent I, I don't know if you've heard the novel you've probably seen the film. The characters are very different in the novel as they are in the film. He's more sort of an uncle, sort of a, a fatherly figure in the film, whereas in the novel he's a little more cutthroat. Uh, that's the role that people think of Richard Ambrose. Yes. ...to see him playing a... basically a psychopath. mm mm-hmm. He's brilliant. Yeah.
2: Yeah, so I think yeah, the original version is probably the better one, but I do think Sam Riley is a very good actor. I think Rowan Joffe, son of Roland, who, no, recently made Captivity, less said about which, the better.
0: Um, he's... they stylish though. <laughs>
2: <laughs> just, don't, just don't go there, otherwise I'll end up ranting for the whole hour about. You can't. That she, about she, that she's
1: she's very close by. She's the girl next door, isn't she? She is indeed. Very,
2: <laughs> but to round this up, I think there are moments when the new version drifts too close to essentially being Quadrophenia. Of course, Phil Davis does turn up briefly in it, but it's probably okay. Is he on a moorpad on the scene? No, but there are there is a scene which a couple of people have written about where he and um, where two people who've played Ian Curtis have a fight under Brighton Pier. Fantastic! I was yeah. gonna say, yeah, Sam Riley was, um, Ian Curtis in, um... Control, which yes. is a great film. And, uh, the, uh, other one is, I think his name is Martin Stanchel, who played him in a
1: TV film in the 70s. So what yeah. you're gonna find, listeners, is obviously, uh, I've done some movies for Paul, is Paul and I really are more, sort of, action blockbuster fans. My friend Daniel here is, um, obviously very well-versed in the world of movies and will know, sort of, more a more general view of movie as it is, I have to say, I'll be honest with you now, I, I tend to stick to the more sort of blockbuster films as a pure escapism, but I will defer to this man's knowledge on pretty you much f- anything. You're very kind of not. I like escapist blockbusters
0: as much I as I said, don't don't one. dump pigeonholmers. Oh, no, no, no that's, that's what I'm saying. That's why I said more it's general. I still watch the Star Wars. That's why, I, does. that's why I said
1: a more general <laughs> view of the world rather than our point of view whereby Bruckheimer and Bay are legends and should be worshipped loosely. Get uh, out now. <laughs>
0: what's, what's next in the
1: top ten? Uh, Gulliver's Travels, and it's still there, for goodness Can I just, sake. Say, yeah, honestly, and I think we've said this before, is, is, obviously Orange, uh, do the movie adverts before the start of the films. Well, the and, film and they did, uh, the Gulliver's Travels, and you think, it's one of those joke movies they do. I mean, if you've seen the ones in the past with, like, Danny Glover, and you think, it's a joke movie. And then you see an actual trailer for the movie and go, oh, they're actually making this?
0: It just makes it a little bit sad
1: for Jack Black's career, doesn't it? Well, this is the thing about, uh, if I can just say about, um, Seth Rogen in The Green Hornet. I think you said this, poll. we won't see it. It's good that someone's being Jack Black because someone should
2: be. True. <laughs> Yeah, i mean, I think the only thing you can say about gulliver's travels is the fact that it's the fact that it's probably still there and taking more money is the reason the dilemma has gone out and there's nothing i mean the only thing worse than a bad film by a bad director is a bad film by a good director and i think that the fact that the dilemma hasn't performed anything like as well as ron howard wanted should uh encourage him to go back and make a proper film like the dark tower series which he's working on at the moment indeed what's the next one
0: a little bit of heaven <sighs> which bit <sighs> ah, it's uh the new kate hudson vehicle um, yeah, do you want to just move on? <laughs> no, I,
2: I actually want to say a fair bit about this because it's horrible. Fantastic put the It's horrible. Okay, no, so go on the poster, basically, because we didn't get a chance to cover it last week, Kate Hudson discovers um, early on in the film that she has cancer. Uh, and while she's undergoing a routine scan, she um, starts hallucinating as a result of the anesthetic. It goes to heaven where she meets God, played by Whoopi Goldberg. <laughs> and <laughs> oh, whoopie goldberg this is going to sell well in the <laughs> you, southern united states it gets better or worse depending on your view he goes to heaven meets Whoopi Goldberg, who grants her three wishes, and the three wishes she asks for is, I want to fly, I want a million dollars, and I want to fall in love. So she ends up knocking boots with Gail Garcia Bernal, playing her incredibly attractive doctor.
1: Why, why is he in this movie? He, he's good. He
2: is very good. I mean, but the thing is, Gail Garcia Bernal does, Money talks, guys, like, money talks. He does <laughs> motorcycle diaries, he does blindness, he does really kind of gritty, strange stuff, not mainstream rom-coms.
1: Ah, he's trying to get his profile out there.
2: Yeah. The, why did so, he pick that movie? So, first off, quite apart from the fact that it follows the usual cliches of rom-com in the sense that, you know, it's two completely glamorous people and you know they're going to end up together even before you've seen the film because they're on the poster and smiling at each other. Secondly, as a treatment of, you no know, terminal illness, it makes the bucket list look like the diving bell and the butterfly in the sense that you have these, you know, it's it's, it's a film which very much says, yes, you've got terminal cancer, but you know what? You can still look a million dollars, quite literally in this case. And then, I mean, have you seen Bruce
0: Almighty? Yes. What did you think of it? Can I, just, can I uh, just say I, that? I love that.
1: I really enjoyed that movie, and I didn't think it was as twee as it could have been. I thought it could have handled the matter a lot worse than it actually did. Yeah, well, put it this way. If you were one of these people who no, thought that uh,
2: the way that Bruce Almighty handled the idea of using spiritual power for material ends, as in being God so you can shag Jennifer Aniston... For want of a Can we word. say that in the air,
1: Jennifer Anderson? Are we still
2: out there? <laughs> sure. Just checking. If you thought that, Gull- that not Gulliver's trouble If you thought that um, Bruce Almighty was a bit dodgy in handling that, then this is positively no. It verges on blasphemous. You know, you go and you get the powers from God, and you say, "I want money and looking good." I'm just
1: no. <laughs> I, I, she, she already had the looking good, she's gauley daughter. I, I like the fact that her mind is so small she asked for a million dollars. Brilliant, that won't even buy you a home in certain parts of your own country. You would ask, come on, you'd ask for ten. Or
2: if you're billion. going to ask for a million dollars, at least do the Austin Powers impression while you're doing it. I mean, that would have at least redeemed part of the film. Uh, <laughs> I've now got an image of Kate Hudson. Never mind. What's next? What's next? Uh, it's such
0: it's... anger in the room in such an early time in the this morning. This is what happens when you
2: put two film critics in close proximity. We can't touch because we just- Bring it on. You... Don't cross well, well, the this. this, well, this, this
0: we,
1: we, well, according to Port, we could have a time cut moment. True. Port has a theory later on we'll, we, we may discuss, we may run out of time for. We, we should do, yeah. That you are him from the future. not <laughs> <Just, don't. laughs> How no far from, from the future? <laughs> Not very far, don't worry. I'm I'm twenty six. How old are you? Twenty two. Well four years. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, yeah, Foy m- has to put it stone on.
2: Oh, so easy done. Are we good? Yet? <laughs> Should we canter through this so we can get the top ten finished by quarter past? Yeah, yeah sorry. Uh, mechanics at Six, which is a workmanlike, like Jason Statham. Although, ar- although it's arguably better than the Michael Winner original because Michael Winner couldn't direct for Toffee.
1: Really? I f- f- Fantastic. That was a very poor impression of Michael Winner. I didn't even know who you were doing then. <laughs> exactly. Uh, well, what, it wasn't Charles Bronson. Have you seen <laughs> Birken Hare?
2: In which he has a cameo as someone who gets... He's to- in it? Yeah. He has a two-second cameo as someone whom they push over a cliff fantastic. in a stagecoach, which is obviously an in-joke to the East Shore advert.
1: Also, his best, uh, rule. <laughs> Quite possibly. Uh, but yes, um, let's route through let's next. Keep going, sorry. Uh,
2: Sanctum's at five, the diving thriller. <sighs> James presents... Cameron goes down a well. And boring, boring, I wish boring. they'd left him there, to be honest, because that could be real e- <sighs> <two or> three. <laughs> <laughs> that
1: film only got made because of 3D. This is another yeah. notch against 3D. Yeah, it's yeah. him
0: going, look, guys, we've got these new toys, he wants to use them.
1: Although Richard Roxbury is a fine actor. I do read him as an actor, and he just hasn't had many great films. No, he famously does the worst South African accent in the world
2: in Mission Impossible 2. <laughs> <laughs> I believe I broke his jaw. I think is I broke his jaw. Right. Don't go and say that. Go and say number four. Uh, Black Swan, which is totally mad. It's like a mashup of the red shoes. Black Narcissus is the fly. Mark and driver Suspiria, put in a blender, chucked at the screen, and Natalie Portman is great.
1: I, uh, a, f- a female friend of mine has seen this film. She she actually said to me, I don't think you'd enjoy it, because there's an intensity in the movie that can be excruciating, and you may not find enjoyable." enjoyable. She knows me, and I, I do like my serious films. I hope but so. <laughs> just, you'd be surprised. Uh, she, no, I, I like my serious films on occasion, but um, that level of intensity having haven't seen it. Just, just reading about it and seeing the trailers and you know, read them, it, it does feel like it's something I may not enjoy. <laughs> Obviously, let's get past the whole. There are some interesting sex scenes. They, from what I can make out, they do actually add to the movie, and it's not just gratuitous. Uh, yeah. I mean,
2: compared with the sex scenes in holland Drive*, they're relatively gratuitous, but they're not—they're not completely manipulative.
1: No, but Aronofsky doesn't really kind of, he's not the kind of director that needs to be gratuitous for gratuitous sake. They could sell the movie on that point. And they have. And they have, <laughs> to a certain extent. But um, I'm told the performances are brilliant. Yeah. Natalie
2: Portman, we've kind of had a discussion before about, I've always found Natalie Portman really irritating. Not just because really? of Star Wars, but you know, Closer, My Brubilee Nights. I don't even think she's that good in V for Vendetta, but this is the first performance I've seen her in when I haven't felt the need to stand up halfway through and shout at the screen.
1: That's good. Also, um, mm-hmm. um, Mila apparently, her, her performance is going down well with a lot of audiences. Yes, it is. I mean, because the film is, a set, I
2: mean, if you want to, out of all the films I compared it with, I mean, the style is very close to the work of Dario Argento with Suspiria, which is, you know, the, the famous tagline for which was, the only thing more terrifying than the last 12 minutes is the preceding 92. Um, but it is essentially, you take the central, um, parameter of Black Narcissus, you know, one woman is pure but naive, the other mm. one is sexually wanton to the point of being insane, and you let that play out in a very kind of uh, full-on Jalo way. I think it's really good.
1: Also good to see Vincent Casale in the family. one of my favorite actors.
2: Yeah.
0: True. Number three is the fighter.
1: Which
2: is unremarkable, and it's heresy that uh, David O. Russell, who is a self-serving hack, got nominated ahead of Christopher Nolan. Have you seen I.R. Huckabees? (sighs) Uh,
1: oh, uh, no, but that is, is that, uh, Hoffman and Um, Jude Law?
2: Yes. And it is one of the most self-important pieces of tripe to come out of America since *The Deer Hunter*.
0: Right, let's okay. get that one. What's yes. number
1: two? Uh, *The King's Speech*. Outstanding uh, movie. I will stand up and say that. Uh, uh, outstanding film. <laughs> just don't stutter, Paul. Come on. We did that last week. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that joke isn't funny anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, who, who wants? to reenact the swearing scene? Since it's on Everybody the. Everybody wants to, but I'm not going to. It's, no. it's the final <laughs> word when you just go. Tits. After everything.
1: <laughs> And that's still one of the things for him, it's hard to say. And absolutely brilliant. One of my favourite lines in the whole film is, we're not a family, we're a firm. And I think that sums up the royal family, and pretty much every royal family. Yeah, there's the, uh, the
2: line in it where Michael Gambon's just given his, as George V has given his Christmas speech, and he said, "No, know, this, this
1: blasted invention has reduced the royal family to actors. It's, it's <laughs> honestly, I'm a history buff, history degree and everything. It is just, it's a brilliant, brilliant movie. And I think that if, I have to say, all the performances were fantastic, even the smaller parts, but if uh, Colin Firth doesn't win Best Actor... No, I know I haven't seen the fighter and I haven't seen True Grit, but if he doesn't win, I haven't seen The Social Network either. But if he doesn't win Best Actor, it does feel as if it's a crime. Or if he doesn't win it, whoever wins it must have put on a f- phenomenal performance. Well, I mean, if you look at the Best Acting category, well, I mean, Jason,
2: Jesse Eisenberg, I don't think is, I think he's the outsider. Jeff Bridges isn't going to win it because he won last year and yeah. only Spencer Tracy and Tom Hanks have won back-to-back best Oscar uh, awards. I think James is the only real rival but he, there's not been that much buzz for 127 hours and Paul's still shaking his Elijah.
0: James don't... Franco not, not an Oscar it's, my it, it's, lifetime. It's amazing
1: to think that he's, he could win an Oscar. Fair enough if the performance was good enough but it's, it, <laughs> it's amazing to think he's come on that way. Also, but uh, 127 hours, it's a build-up to watching a man chop his arm off, which apparently is very intense but and still. Drinking out of a puddle. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, number one. What's number one? Uh, Tangled, which is a perfectly fine
2: um, film. Like, we had an argument last week about, not an argument, a discussion about um, the ballroom sequence in Beauty and the Beast, and I was yes. saying it's hand-drawn. There is some rendering in it, How but only a small amount. Mm. Um, I don't think it's going to last as well as Beauty and the Beast, but, no, being half-term week, when you'll get a lot of young girls going to the cinema, it's good that there is a film there with a decent role model, and I do think the uh, the voice cast are pretty good. Richard Keel's in it, apparently. He has a cameo. Fantastic. Yes. Uh, Although he doesn't
1: know Chase, um, she to McGavin down the, uh, down the golf, pitch when it just I do actually have to say that, um, it, it's nice that you mentioned that as if you somehow know, maybe it's because I am viewing the future, that I am a Bond aficionado, but the, the thing is- who's, which you, who's your favorite Bond? It's gotta be Lazenby.
0: Timothy Dalton. Timothy <laughs> Dalton. Sorry. I have to say Lazenby. <laughs> you absolutely However,
1: however, <laughs> Dalton I, is definitely, definitely brilliant. The thing is, I, I don't think there was a
0: bad one. In fact, I grew up with Roger Moore and I realized now he was the weakest- a oh, uh, bad, bad Bond, not bad film. Because if you say there wasn't a bad film, I'm going to throw a Die Another Day-O. <laughs> I'll, I'll just the def- fencing I'll, sequence. I'll deflect it with more later ones. I won't even name one. You could, well, let's just say
1: Moonwalker. Right. Okay. Anyway, moving, getting back to the point in your hand. Entangled, it's great to see Disney back, to be honest. <clears throat> Pixar. The thing is, we say this, it won't last. Their classics have lasted because they are classics. This may end up being a classic, I don't know. I, I do intend to see it. My partner's a big fan of the old Disney. Um, is he? Ha 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 he made a
0: joke about me being gay. Sorry, which I'm not Anymore. Anyway, yeah, so stars Mandy Moore, Mandy Moore's fish. And uh, right, Exactly, <laughs> Levy,
1: uh, him off of Chuck, very, very funny man,
0: very good voice for the role. Thanks for tuning in to the district's newest radio station,
1: Lionheart Radio.
0: Right, it's now time for the cult film of the week, which is Deliverance. killing banjos, Indeed. Let's just, let's just talk over the top of it and I'll I'll fill this up when it gets in. There. Okay,
2: so a bit of background information, because we've been kind of talking about doing this ever since we started this show. Um, based on a novel by James Dickey, who also wrote the screenplay, and he actually has, um, I don't know if you spotted this, a cameo performance as the sheriff at the end of the film. He's the guy who says, basically, go home, don't ever come back, and don't talk about this ever again. Directed by John Borman, which, and it's kind of regarded by both fans and kind of critics as both his best film and his last great film. Because in his early part of his career, he, he'd kind of come out of exploitation films with things like, um, Leo the Last, which is a post-apocalyptic movie set in London, Hell in the Pacific, where it's Lee Marvin as a US soldier, and there's a him and a Japanese POW stuck on an island, and they have to put their their national differences behind them. His previous film before this was a film called Point Blank, which uh, in many ways was the forerunner for No Country of Old Men, and then it's Lee Marvin basically walking around, asking various people where his money is, and then killing them. <laughs> <laughs> So you have this kind of build-up to <laughs> exploitation after Deliverance, however, Borman became a bit full of himself and made films like Exorcist II, The Heretic, which is regarded as one of the worst sequels ever made, Excalibur, which is held up by many as the definitive version of the Arthur myth, although it is rather bloated and baggy, and strangest of all, he made a film with Sean Connery called Zardoz,
1: <laughs> which was- Connery in a nappy.
2: Well, in a red leather jockstrap <laughs> with a handlebar moustache. I mean, if you thought he looked bad in Highlander, go and see Zardoz, because it's completely nuts. So give it a bit summary of the plot. You have a group of four businessmen, played by John Voight, who uh, at that time was still kind of reeling from becoming a star from Midnight Cowboy. Burt Reynolds, who, apart from Boogie Nights, hadn't really done anything else brilliant in his career. Obviously, Boogie Nights came a lot later. Uh, sorry, sorry. Oh. This man hasn't seen any of the Smokey
1: in the Ballet movies. Yeah. Or I have, re- I just or, didn't like them. Or the remake of The Longest Yard. <laughs> <laughs> so, sorry, the original, the original Don't episode. even get me started on Cannibal Run. Anyway. <laughs>
2: So you have Burt Reynolds, John Like. <laughs> <White>, Ned... Ooh, <laughs> you crossed the line, mate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hang on, just breathe, cut ten. It's not terrible, it's just not very interesting. Um, Fair Ned, so you <laughs> have John Voight, Burt Reynolds, Ned Beatty, who was recently the big purple bear in Toy Story 3, and Ronnie Cox, who, of course, is the villain whose head blows up in Total Recall. You, was, Sorry, is he also in, uh, the original Rubble Um, I think he is briefly, Yeah. But I can't remember when. Mm. So they're four businessmen that decide, instead of playing golf on Week 10, to go canoeing down the fictional uh, Kahulawasi River in uh, the middle of Georgia, which is about to be flooded when a new dam is going to be built. And uh, they run into all sorts of trouble with the locals, and suffice to say, bad stuff happens.
1: <laughs> I think that's <laughs> the nicest way we can say that at this time of the day.
2: Yes. So here's the thing. Deliverance is very much one of those films whose defining image of you know, the, the scene with the dueling banjo is it's completely out of kilter with what the actual film is like. Because when you hear the dueling stuff in the first few minutes, you think, oh, it's going to be this kind of light, light-hearted <laughs> musical drama in the manner that Gene Kelly used to make. And in fact, it's a really grueling, mesmerizing urban thriller. Well, not urban thriller. No. <sighs> <sighs> Wrong anti-urban
1: word thriller. Yes, anti-urban thriller.
2: Rural thriller. Yes. Um, in another... Th- dri- his we did th- <laughs> Yeah. First of all, from a directorial point of view. If you'd given this to anyone else, particularly to someone like Michael Winner or Roger Corman, it could have been a very straightforward exploitation film where it's basically it's Townies versus Hicks, they have a battle and it's Last Man Standing. But what Borman does is he managed to take this very simple exploitative story and wrings the most out of it to create both a frightening voyage of discovery and one of the best environmental films that's ever been made. And for reasons that
1: will become clear. So I feel uncomfortable with the term voyage of discovery considering we know what (laughs) happened. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. On, on a serious note, uh, mentioning the other directors, I would like to see seen uh, how Sam Peckinpah would have dealt with this. That's, yeah, that's a good comparison, actually. That guess. would have been, in- obviously, Straw Dogs. Mm-hmm. Um, a very different setting, but it would have been interesting to see how he dealt with this. Sorry, I digress. It would have been a lot more violent, I dare say. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, so, there is a recurring theme in Borman's work of the idea of man versus nature, or more precisely, the idea that there is this unquantifiable power of the natural world and man fails to dominate. it. I mean, it's in his later films, like The Emerald Forest, he would do this in a much more kind of heavy-handed way. I mean, the emerald forest is, there's so much tree-hugging on screen, it makes Terence Malick look like a gun-toting industrialist. <laughs> it, it, it stars Charlie Borman, who's since, you know, went around the world on that motorbike with Ewan McGregor. <laughs> Hangs um, on. It, 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 yeah. So, where it's here, you get Borman having the balance right between the on one hand, this very kind of environmental and political message, and on the other hand, the characters who deliver it. So you have the main characters of four modern men. Not just modern as in present day, but modern as in they live over and above the landscape. They impose their thor- authority in everything they do, just even by the act of going on the river. So when the hicks in uh, the town in Georgia warn them that what they're doing is stupid, they just dismiss, oh, it's superstitious nonsense. You know, these people have lived out here. They don't know what they're talking about. And the opening sequence of the film is the car journey to the river, intercut with scenes of uh, quarries and bits of stuff being demolished, as if the film is saying every single act that man does is in some way a desecration of his habitat. Um, So although you have these four people coming from the same stock, they're not just kind of cardboard cutouts in the way of, you know, in a slasher film, everyone's the same, and it's just a case of, you know, how much dialogue do we have to give them before we can stab them with a knife? So you have these kind of... These sort of f- fracturings between the groups. So, Burt Reynolds is the one who's kind of most at one with nature, or at least is very good at pretending that he mm-hmm. is. He's very gung ho. Yes, and no, he carries a, a knife everywhere and sleeps in the open despite the fact he's going to be bitten by mosquitoes. And he's the only one who seems to be sorry that the river's actually going to disappear. Ronnie Cox is the most playful and naive. I and mean, he never goes anywhere without his uh, guitar. And in the early scenes, he's on screen constantly with a massive grin on his face. <laughs> and it's that specific kind of grin that Ronnie Cox has when he's doing villains like in Total Recall. You think you are a sadistic old. Man. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, very good at that role, he is. He is very good, especially when his head blows up. Great special effects by Rob Bottin who, of course, did the effects for the thing. I
1: have I said, on the side note, the, the effect of um, Arnold Schwarzenegger's eyes bulging lasted with me quite a while as a, as a young person, <laughs> and three breasts. Yes. Anyway. <laughs>
2: Sorry. <laughs> yes, yeah, so then you have Ned Beatty, who's, who's the kind of cautious, out of shape, when does isn't like being pushed around. Okay. And John Voight, who wants to be like Reynolds, but in the end doesn't have the nerve. There's the recurring image of him looking all macho with a bow and arrow, but then his hands start shaking and he can't bring himself to shoot anything. And the film is very much about how the character of modern men is... Um So out of touch with the old way of life you know natural living and how incapable he is of returning to it, so you have these four blokes who essentially are at home in offices drinking coffee, and they decide to go out to um to this not because they want to get back to nature but because they have this very romanticized view of what the natural world is like, and it 's a way to kind of explore it in a playful way and The film explores the idea that in the center of man there is this kind of mismatch, between on the one between on the one hand the love of progress and technology and innovation and on the other hand this desire to live basically like beasts in the field and it's very good at exploring that at a very subtle level for the thir- for the early part of the film their view and experience of nature conforms to this romantic ideal of a hey it's all trees it's all people this wonderful river and so forth but as soon as the darker less merciful side of nature kind of rears its head you start discovering just how out of place these people really when are. They meet the
0: locals shall <laughs> they? yes the
2: locals who may or may not have a moonshine still hidden in the woods <laughs> Put it this way, if Reynolds and the others represent man's desire to dominate nature with a kind of nostalgic, playful fondness for it, then the locals whom they meet in the woods are kind of nature... Not so much fighting back, but just stating its case, because nature is brutal, ruthless. And it doesn't do horrible stuff because it wants to. It Mm. does it because that's the way it's always been. It
1: is. It's not good. It's not evil. It's not like the Victorian notion that nature is horrible and evil. It it just... It is. It just exists as a force.
2: Yes. Which
1: brings us on to the squirrel-like-a-pig sequence.
2: Um... So we, we need to tiptoe around this very carefully i mean the film is it- well no no we can we
0: can say what it is it's a it's a rape sequence um because yeah, it's an 18th certificate film yes mm-hmm. it's a it's a it's a guy on guy sort of scene and it's it's troubling to watch
2: yes i mean when we talked about the remake of i spit on your grave a couple of weeks ago we kind of compared it with that in a positive light because you no know, Spit on your grave is completely reprehensible in either of its versions and on the surface it would seem like it's a really horrible scene where basically ned beattie is raped. But the thing about it is that it is... First of remember, all... Sorry,
1: remember kids, that's lots of hugging bear gets <laughs> raped. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for whatever children might be listening out there.
0: There's the sound of parents turning the radios off
2: all over on. <laughs> so, firstly purely from a technical point of view it's quite well handled in the sense that borman doesn't just put the camera on the scene and say yes let's look at this let's Mm. look at this man being tortured let's look at it some more it's not exploitative because he uses a combination of close-ups on ned Beatty's face showing the character in pain and very large wide shots so that you can't ever quite see what's going on and it's the classic thing of you're not seeing it you know it's there yeah you know it's there but you don't you project your own fears onto it. So it I think it's more frightening than it actually the is. The way that
0: for me that worked out well uh, was it was uh, during the scene John Voight is like tied to a tree via his neck. Yes, and it's his reaction to the whole thing. Yes, obviously the noises and stuff don't really help, <laughs> but when well, it's, it's his face reaction. you
1: kind of go. Ooh. But the best horror movies work on that level. When you don't actually necessarily see the monster, as it were, and if we're going to use this here, this, um, the rib, as the monster, as it were, you're not seeing it directly. And that's where I always find that's where the best horror movies are, when it's sort of a glint in the eye, is it there, isn't it? You're not seeing the scene directly, you know it's happening, and as you said, you're using your own imagination as to why it's you know as to what's happening and and that is always worse i think than actually showing it yeah
2: i mean there are exceptions i mean there are things like the thing and hellraiser in which it's very it's very full-on and very visual but it works by kind of tapping into something primal but i do generally agree that it Mm. is best to kind of a good director will be able to do something without showing it But it's not just that the rape scene is technically gone, because it actually has substance to it. Because there's the earlier comments in the film about Reynolds talking about, you know, by building their dam, people, are raping the countryside, and the others say, oh, shut up, you know, just, you know, go and have another piece of wood. Um, so if... So if you have you have all this talk about you know mankind raping the countryside, and here is the countryside raping man. So it kind of works out in a nice ironic way. I'm so pleased you didn't say it was justified. <laughs> no, I didn't say it was justified. <laughs> no, 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 I'm, <laughs> saying I'm pleased you didn't. <laughs> no. the, here's the thing, the brutality of the film, it it is justified in a way because it does successfully communicate the things without being gratuitous or exploitative because there's a shot just before the rape scene where john boyd is trying to shoot a deer and again he gets the shakes the diara flies off and the deer runs away and it is the same thing of man comes in thinking yes i'm man i'm civilized i can control nature and then finds out actually i can't actually the whole world is against me and i'm quite scared yeah i ain't shooting Bambi. (laughs) <laughs> but it, does, it is absolute proof that under the right conditions, with the right director and the right script, visceral gut-wrenching horror can, be, can say any, every bit as much as about a subject as you know, the most talky mainstream mm. film. And frankly, a lot of the ideas dealt with in kind of nuts and bolts exploitation films are a lot more interesting than what happens when they end up in the mainstream four years later. The film is very well directed, not just for what it is as an exploitation thriller, but as a thriller in general. I mean, although it has this kind of rough-and-ready look, it's got this very drained-out cinematography. It's shot by a guy called Vilmos Sigmund, who also shot The Deer Hunter. And he is famous... No, I'm not going to go there, because he... <laughs> over, no, regardless what else you could say about The Deer Hunter, Vilmos Sigmund is
0: a very good cinematographer. Yeah, and what just, you, just fill in that backstory there, the great
1: Possibly Vietnam's greatest movie? That was said on purpose, I do apologise. I I like The Dear Hunter, Daniel hates it. No, no I think it's one of the worst films ever made. Um, so... This man clearly is not aware of Martin Lawrence's work.
2: (laughs) I am, but at least that was boring, (laughs) rather than just being racist. Um, So the, but the, the thing is, Vilmos Sigmund, who shot both this and the deer hunter, he, he is famous for inventing something or, or uh, making something popular known as pre-fogging, which is where you take the celluloid and you partially expose it to the light before you start shooting. So all the brighter, glossier colours are taken out and you're left mm-hmm. with something which is very sort of pale and, you know, poetic. Um, but also that because the budget is so low all of the stunts in the film are real. So in the scene where Ronnie Cox dives over the front having been shot and the canoe splits in half, that's all real. That happened in one take. They did it in, on location in Georgia. And in that scene where they're kind of scrambling around in the water, Borman's camera is kind of following them as they go above and below. So you see the camera kind of half immersed by water. So you really get the sense that these people are drowning. And you balance those, visceral, those kind of very visceral in-your-face shots with these beautiful kind of aerial landscapes of the wood and the wetlands of Georgia. And it's really well directed. We should also touch on the use of music. We played the dueling banjos just now, which we kind of said is... And in the same way as Get Carter last week, there's not a lot of music in it. Mm-hmm. And it's very... Like Roy Bud's soundtrack in Get Carter, it's one of those things where you hear it very early on. And then it keeps just coming back in little yeah. segments. And those little kind of returns to the main riff actually strike the fear of God into you. Because once you've got... Um, once you've had the squeal-like-a-pig sequence, every time a banjo pops up, you instinctively think, are there more of them out there? And you instinctively start looking in the background, like, are they going to come out of the trees or the under, under the river? Where are they? And like any great Western, it's a film which uses not just the character of the landscape, but background noise like just water lapping or birdsong to create really nerve-shredding tension, like where John Voight is hiding at the top of the mountain waiting for the sniper, and all you can hear is just birdsong as the guy cuts stepping out behind him. Mm. And it's really nerve-shredding. So just to sum up, I think the performances are great. I mean, John Voigt's every bit as good as in Midnight Cowboy. He would team up with John Borman again in a film called The General, which is, you know, it's flawed, but it's a rather interesting um, Irish gangster film. I think it is the ber- best thing that Burt Reynolds has ever done. I mean, he does carry himself like a young Marlon Brando in those mm-hmm. scenes. I, mean, I was going to say that uh, just has the look of
0: him as he well. Does. The, yeah, it's, it's the a high, serious it's role it's role. A high forehead as he well. He can
1: do it. serious roles. He can do serious roles. Uh, it's just he's more remembered for his more comedic performances. He then turns up in films like Striptease,
0: sort of. Desecrating his legacy, but no yeah. mind. Yeah, and all this kind of surgery he's had so he can't move his face anymore.
1: Uh, th- again, uh, to re- reference back to the remake of The Longest Yard, it's painful to watch the man just not grasp <laughs> the fact he's growing old. And just deal with it. Yeah. sorry, Dying his tash and his hair. Yeah. yeah.
0: That's
2: one. It is also Borman's best film in the sense that, like I say, after this, he, there was a, a French critic called uh, Michel Simon, or Michael Cement, as he's pejoratively called. He basically wrote a book saying how, oh, this man is an auteur, and he did get a bit full of himself. Mm. You know, I mean, Exorcist to The Heretic, is... Terrible. But, you know, I don't think it's quite a flawless film in the sense that it does take about 10 or 15 minutes to kind of kick into gear. And like all exploitation films, there are rough edges. But that is a small price to pay for what is a terrifying, top notch, low budget thriller.
1: Yeah. Incidentally, from the environmental issues there, what do you think of (laughs) Fern (laughs) Gully? Sorry, uh, a- a- Avatar, or, see, as it's also known. Um, I haven't seen Avatar, so I can't comment. You're not really missing too much.
2: Yes, <laughs> I'll see it in 2D eventually, but phone gully, Tim Curry's good, the rest is preachy nonsense. Oh, I- you're going to love Avatar. <laughs> That's it. I bet you can
0: guess what happens at the end of Avatar already, though. Everybody dies. <laughs> wow. In <a> of- <laughs> <laughs> eventually. <laughs> it's true. Off screen in a few <laughs> sc- years afterwards.
1: <laughs> we go, if every movie had that at the end card. I know you've enjoyed this, but eventually, uh, Woody and. The gang rot away in a landfill <laughs> somewhere 400 years in Chinese controlled America. Line Hard Radio. <laughs>
2: Time
0: for this week's new releases. Yeah, we've work. got
2: three to get through this week because you've got a little. Uh, surprise. Yes, there's a
0: bit of a quiz coming up. We're going to put these two these lads' brains into gear and we'll if see. It's,
1: if it's mainstream, I have a chance.
0: Go on. It's a bit of both. Okay. Uh, no,
1: no French New Wave! No French New Wave!
0: <laughs> no, I am an expert the, on that. I I'll think. correct the question. <laughs> so,
2: um, what do you want to start with? Should we do just go with it first to get it out of the way, and so we can concentrate on the others?
0: Yeah.
1: Just go with it, new Adam Sandler comedy. Oscar so right. nominated. You've said, <laughs> you've said enough. Sorry, you've said enough. It's a new Adam Sandler comedy. With Anything he's done new it's just not good. Sorry. We mentioned Goldie Hawn earlier.
2: This is actually a remake of the 1969 Cactus Flower, for which Goldie Hawn won an Oscar. So, I a don't bit think more there's no risk of that this time. So the story is, he plays a plastic surgeon, he pulls women by pretending to be unhappily married. When he finally meets his perfect woman he asks Jennifer Aniston, who's his office manager to pretend to be his wife, whom he's getting divorced from. Their kids are involved and they all go off to Hawaii, which is basically an excuse for the cast to have a holiday while they are making a terrible film. It's not as bad as Good Luck Chuck. It does have, you know, that kind of, on uh, twist of, you know, we can be really, really horrible and then have a schmaltzy ending so we all go out feeling okay. It, like I say, not as bad as Good Luck Chuck, but then frankly, what is? Don't go and see it.
1: Uh, well, <laughs> thing, sadly, there is a, quite a funny line with the children in the trailer, when they're talking about, can I do
0: accents, and she's st- done, but that's the thing, it does seem like the funny jokes are in the trailer. Avoid. It, I don't know, is it come to the stage where we've kind of got two worlds for Adam Sandler? You know, when when Happy Gilmore I I was what, and stuff like that? The, the cinema? America? <laughs> everyone, everyone was, because like, he's pitching more like the bedtime stories kind of crowd, it's more for young yeah. people, they're probably thinking, <laughs> they probably laugh at the fart jokes and Rob Schneider and stuff like that, whereas we kind of go... Pity. Yeah, I
2: was uh, at a, a drama theatre school in uh, 2003 and there was a guy there who had a VHS copy of Happy Gilmore and he made us watch it every night. <laughs> we couldn't go into the tea room because he just have it on all the oh, time. That's <laughs> excessive. I mean I enjoyed the movie but that's excessive. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's not too bad. Um, uh, true Grit should we do. Yeah. Uh,
0: who's, who's in this grim? <sighs> Jeff
1: Bridges. Jeff
2: Bridges. What have you got against Jeff
1: Bridges? Nothing, no, no. Oh, sorry, sorry. T- t- yeah, uh, I, I, was said, just gonna say. I-, I said Jeff Daniels by mistake. Oh, of sequel. course. Yeah. yeah, it's no
0: legendary online how it is. hit him him off of the uh, speed. Jeff Daniels was in speed, I believe. True. He also got his tongue stuck to a pole in
1: um Dumb and Dummer*. Yeah. American comedy hasn't been the same since that movie. Uh, Yes, Jeff
0: Bridges and by pole. I mean, actual skate pole, not a not, Polish not man. a Polish man. Yeah. <laughs> That could confuse people listening. Anyway, yeah, no, too good. <laughs> so,
2: new film from the Cohen brothers uh, adaptation of a novel by Charles Portis, which was famously made uh, into a film in 1969, for which John Wayne won the Oscar, and he got up and said, No, if I'd known that 35... if I'd known that, I'd have put that damn eye patch on 35 years ago."
1: The reason he got the the sad thing is it was a sorry, I do apologise. It was a good performance by John uh, Wayne, but the, the Oscar it was one of those mawkish a celebration of your career Oscars. It wasn't his best role. Mm -hmm. It was was a way of saying, we're sorry we haven't given you an Oscar sooner, we're going to give you this. And this is your reward for getting cancer while filming a film about Genghis Khan. Yeah, and actually by the time he was filming True Grit, he'd had one of his lungs removed, so he couldn't um, walk more than
2: 30 feet without starting to wheeze. So that's why the film has so many cuts in it. It's not because Michael Bay's... No, went back in time and snuck onto the set. So you have an adaptation of the novel, the story of Matty Ross, played by newcomer Hayley Steinfeld, who's got an Oscar nod for Best mm. Supporting Actress. She's a 14-year-old girl who enlists aged gunslinger Rooster Cogburn, played by Jeff Bridges, who's also got an Oscar nod to hunt down the killer of her father, who this deranged, cowardly fugitive uh, called Tom Cheney, who's played by Josh Brolin, great actor. On their way into Indian territory, they, enhist- they enlist the help of Texas rancher LeBuff, who's played by Matt Damon. We're both big fans of Matt Damon, you and I, Paul. Make that three. A good man. I think we have the trifecta of demons. <laughs> <laughs> yes. uh, so they go, so uh, Matt Damon's hunting Chairman for a murder in Texas. They all go off together and find him, and you no know, revenge stuff happens. It is a very interesting companion piece to their earlier Western No Country for All Men. I mean, all the Coen Brothers films are essentially about money. You know, whether mm-hmm. it's you now Hudsucker Proxy, where Paul Newman's trying to um, make the company broke so he can buy it back cheap, so he puts Tim Robbins in charge, or Fargo, where he's, to, he's using the kidnapping to get the divorce money, or No Country for All Men, where it's to do with drugs. But there is the same central idea, as in No Country of Old Men, of vengeance and retribution catching up with the criminal, although it is a much more mm-hmm. conventional story than the, um, the Cormac McCarthy novel. The performances are pretty solid, like a lot of the Cohen stuff, it's shot by Roger Deakins, who knows how to do that kind of washed-out, arid look on screen, and it also shot The Secret Garden, which is a very good children's film. Um, it's an interesting genre exercise from the Cohen's. It's probably better than the original because John, because Jeff Bridges is just a better actor than John Wayne. And I think it's a really enjoyable um, exercise in genre-making, which you don't get
1: often from the comics. Sure. I'll, I'll, I'll give him the, the Jeff Bridges comic, because obviously John Wayne was brilliant at the time. He, is a good, he was a good actor. He did some really good films, but I would have to say, I'd have to agree, Jeff Bridges being the better actor. Yeah. Yeah, simple as that. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to seeing this one. Yeah, have <laughs> you seen Starman with Jeff Bridges? Yes, a strange film. But very strange film. But a very good performance. Well, again, the man... I haven't seen Tron either, but I'm heard he, I've heard he's carried in that one.
2: Yeah.
0: Not his digital version, though.
2: No. Because they yeah. haven't worked out how to make his lips move properly.
1: Um, finally,
2: uh, <laughs> Never Let Me Go, which is an adaptation of a novel by Kazuo Ishiguro, who wrote The Remains of the Day.
1: Sorry. Was oh, all all I am going to say is, I'll let you go on, but I don't want to watch this film because I know what happens in it, and I know it will leave me traumatized. I know what happens, so I don't want to say it. There you go. Don't spoil it. I, will, I, will, I won't comment on anything apart from the spoilers, but... Um, I, <sighs>
2: Yeah, go on, sorry. So, adaptation of a Kazuo Ishiguro novel produced by Andrew MacDonald, who is, of course, the grandson of Emmerich Pressburger and worked with Danny Boyle, so I like him already. Of course. Directed by Mark Romanek, whose last film was One Hour Photo with Robin Williams. Yeah,
0: that's good.
1: Yeah, that's that's a, a, a very... We were discussing that, uh, I think we were discussing that last week, weren't we? That was, no, that was, like, nine years ago,
2: so... Yeah, long time ago. Very good psychological thriller, came out in the same year as Insomnia. Uh, the plot centres on a love triangle between uh, Kathy, played by Kerry Mulligan, Tommy, played by Andrew Garfield, and Ruth, played by Kira Knightley. They, uh, they meet at a boarding school in Helsham in England. It's kind of set in an alternative, present-day, recent-past, mm. dystopian version of England. And it turns out, which, and it's a school that's... Um, do we want to give away the plot of this, as in the central twist? Because the I film doesn't make
1: a big deal of it. I don't, th- I don't think we should, because okay. of the, the impact of it. Okay, lessened, I think. Okay, well, suffice to be, to be fair. Suffice
2: I, to say, it's a science fiction story rather than a drama, and perhaps I th- no, and no, there are Frankenstein overtones to it. But
1: <laughs> I think that's but no, overton- they're definitely playing they're, they're, they're playing the drama angle rather than the science fiction angle. Of yeah, it, which at heart it, it is.
2: So I mean, in terms of the stuff, it owes a debt to. I mean, it obviously draws on a lot of. No, um, it draws on to some extent uh, the honor of Dr. Moreau not the adaptation with Marlon Brando and Val Kimmer, but the original mm. novel by H.G. Wells which in many ways is the direct inspiration for Alien Resurrection you have the idea of people kind of living to a certain age and then, well, shall we say, taking on a slightly less active significance in human life, which of course links back to Logan's run, there's actually a very interesting play called A New Way to Please You in which a future government decides that everyone over the age of 65 is has no longer any use, so you get a revolution led by the elderly, and that's a very good comedy. But I think the main thing that it owes a debt to, oddly enough, is there is a really interesting 70s beam movie called The Clonus Horror where you have um, this community in the American Midwest desert basically cloning people to provide organs. For um, government officials, including the president, played by Peter Graves, who was the original Mr. Phelps in Mission Impossible. You no, know we said we weren't going to spoil this film at all. Well, like I say, <laughs> it, there, there are tonal similarities with but the trailer. The trailer does. What I'll also line. say,
1: to bring Paul on this, it also it does, on a comparison, and, and you'd have to sit down and work through the comparison, the island. By Mr. Bay, I believe. F- which was a rip off of The Clone to yeah. the extent that the original director sued him for $100 million. But what I would say is, is, is just to bring the more mainstream into it, there the is tones of the island in that film. Uh, yes. as, as we're just going to talk about it, then yeah, the, the, cl- the cloning element. Yeah,
2: I mean, like I say, I don't think. Knowing about that sort of element to it and again, we haven't said everything about him no. But I don't think knowing about that actually undermines it because that's the film is about that So it's shot in a very kind of glacial style It's underperformed in America surprisingly,
1: you know, it cost something like 15 million and made two I'm not shocked. I'm not shocked because I, I think it's it's not to do a disservice to the Americans It is a it's an emotional drama and yeah, okay We're, we're going for this. They are basically playing clones. They are being farmed and I don't think like, I actually agree with you now, Daniel. I don't think that takes away from the movie because it's not about the fact they're cloned. It's not a f- about the fact they're going to be harvested. It's... because if you... you know, the argument that they don't have long to live, they're going to die at a certain age. We could die at any moment, all of us. It's more about
0: the emotional drama between the three leads. Can, yeah. Sorry. Sorry. You can see, you can see why I didn't make money in America, because the trailer is very looks very British. It's very rainy. You can see, the, if you go to the cinema, they'll go, oh, I'm not going to see a rainy film by the Well, by they're a all British, British actors. Now,
1: think. I know that Andrew Garfield is being sold for some reason as an American actor. He's not. He's a, he is actually British. Yeah, I was. He's I lived was. in America a long time. Uh, interestingly, three of the actors have all been in, uh, Doctor Who quite recently. Uh, I am a big fan of Doctor Who. I've mentioned this before. Uh, can Andrew Garfield. No, no, no. Carrie uh, uh, Mulligan was, uh, uh, um... Sally Sparrow, there you go. Andrew Garfield was a character in the two-part uh, *Dark's of Manhattan*. Carrie Mulligan, great actress. Andrew Garfield, I haven't again. I haven't seen *Social Network*. He's getting good reviews on that. He actually beat Colin Firth to one of the um, awards.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Keira Knightley, never been standing. a fan. Never you know, been a fan.
0: I used
2: to really dislike her when she was still in *The Pirates of the Caribbean* and the, the jacket phase. You know, Jack is dead, but I think ever since the Duchess, she started to find her feet, and she, was had, she has. I think she's matured a bit more now. She's
1: recently gone back to the um the theatre and I for the life of me can't remember the name of the place she's in at the moment with um I think it's Michelle Williams. They're getting no it's not, sorry, it's um I can't Elizabeth, the It's Elizabeth Moss off uh, who was in she's in Mad Men, she was in the West Wing. And it's about Two teachers accused of lesbianism. Yes,
2: I, I've, I can't remember the title,
1: of but I know what you're talking about. She is about. getting very good reviews from that now. I think when she first started in theatre, she may have been a bit young and naive, and she's very self-conscious. Um, I'm glad that she's not in the new Pirates of the Caribbean movie for, for her and for the series. <laughs> and I think that she's doing, now that she can act, Just with, she's, she's got the name, the name is there, she's established, she can now do films that she wants to do.
2: Yes. So I think the film of the week is true grit. Never let me go. I mean, it, it's, it's very good, but I know it isn't for everyone, and we don't need to give Adam Sandler any more money because he's
1: too rich. to it, it. And watch out for Andrew Garfield in the Spider-Man reboot. Yeah, which is coming out next year. Indeed. From the heart of the district, this, this is Lionheart Radio.
0: Right then, as it's the last show, I thought I'd just do a little bit of a twist, and, uh...
2: We should <laughs> say, no, when we say last show, I'll be back next week with Richard Dale. The cult movie, yes. the
0: movie hour will continue, but Paul is moving Yeah, up. Richard's gonna do it till 11, not 9 till 12, but yeah.
1: Um, I won't be on for three hours, don't
0: worry. <laughs> <laughs> Can't be <one. laughs> The movie show never dies, only the actors who play the movie show. <laughs> <laughs> True, we just keep rebooting it. It's like the, uh, in Coronation Street, where they keep getting a new actor out play, don't, Nick Tillsley. <laughs> don't, don't, <laughs> talk about Coronation Street. Why? Let's move on to the quiz, shall we? Yeah, anyway, we're having a quiz. Um, it's f- 15 questions each, all on the movie theme, and we're just going to test the old Graham out of these two. I'm going to have to cu- uh, make Grim turn the computer around because he might be on the internet. Oh, I, I that wasn't why I was looking at it. Right.
1: right.
0: <laughs> yeah, <but laughs> because I'm on www.paulsquizanswers.com. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, Daniel, uh, call, heads or Tails. Tails. It's heads. It's heads. It's heads. Do you want to go first or second? I go? would have. Actually, I'll go second, so no to where I would have actually called tails as well. Tails never fails. Right. It. Question number one, Daniel, and I'll, I'll not tell you whether you got the right or wrong. I'll just mark them and then we'll play record and I'll tell you the answers. And oh. the tension will build. All and right. we'll, yeah, and have you got
1: Mastermind yeah? as a as a, ba- as a backing music? Pfft. I
0: don't think so. <laughs> We've got the Turtles music, but it probably doesn't have the same sort of... <laughs> it's not going <laughs> <just laughs> let's, let's have the first
1: question. Come yeah, on. I'm on Yeah, 10 They're touch. playing
0: for a Yorkie. <laughs> Man-sized chocolate.
1: Uh, women can also have that as
0: well. And they can be linesmen. Nice <laughs> <laughs> people. True. Question number one. Who directed The Truman Show, The Way Back, and Witness? Peter Weir. Who won an Oscar at the 2000 ceremony for Best Actor? 2000? Yes. Uh, that would be Russell Crowe. Right. What is the name of the dog in the Back to the Future movies? Uh, Einstein. What is the name of the third official James Bond film? Goldfinger. Which film did Christian Bale make first? Captain Crowley's Mandolin or American Psycho? American Psycho. Uh, who dies first in The Godfather, Sonny or Don Vito? Uh, Sonny, I think. In Ghostbusters, what is Ernie Hudson's full character name? Pass. Pass. In... <laughs> Name the film the following line is from Here's looking at you, kid Casablanca Who is Angelina Jolie's father? John Voight In High School Musical, that's my test What What is the nickname of the basketball team? Pass <laughs> I think more of you for not knowing that <laughs> Which film links Timothy Olyphant and Alicia Cuthbert? <laughs> uh, <laughs> captivity Which film had the following tagline Check in, relax, take a shower? Pass. In which film does Robert De Niro play Father Bobby? Um, can I come back to you on that one? Yep. Fourteen, in the Twilight series, what is Vampire Edward's surname? Apparently. Um, that's not right Cullen. <laughs> what, is the, what is the full name of the fifth Harry Potter film? Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. Right, number thirty, we'll go back to that one. In which film does Robert De Niro play Father Bobby? I'll guess Awakenings. Right then, Graham, your turn. Uh, I'm ready just to pass the yoke over to him now. <laughs> uh, I'm very impressed with that. Step up to the mic, Graham. Here we go. Question one, and you'll see they're sort of similar to the team question. Mm. Who directed Red Dragon, Rush Hour, and The Family Man? Rush Hour, yeah. Brett Ratner. Who won the Oscar at the 2006- 2006 ceremony for Best Actress?
1: Ah, uh, two thousand six, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Uh,
0: Pass. It's either Ben John come back to that one. Can we come back to that one at the end, please? All right. Uh, what is the name of the orangutan in Every Which Way But Loose? Oh, Clyde. The look on his face there. He's already totally lost it. What is the name of the 19th official James Bond film? The world is not enough. Which film did Nicolas Cage make first, Eight Millimeter or Snake Eyes? Oh, Snake Eyes. In Save and Private Ryan, whose character dies first, Tom Sizemore or Vin Diesel? <laughs> Look, a fear I just shot across his face <laughs> Do you know? I'm going to go with okay. Vin. In Ghostbuster, what is Ghostbusters, what is Dan Aykroyd's full character name? Peter Venkman. In which film is the following line from, Go ahead, make my day? Dirty Harry. Who played... <laughs> I had to change this one because I mentioned it earlier. Who is Kate Hudson's father? <laughs> ah, now, uh, it's actually Bob Hudson, but you're probably going to go with Kurt Russell. Right. <clears throat> Uh, the, well, the original question was who was our mother, but you mentioned it earlier. <laughs> in, Fever, in the film Fever Pitch, which football team does the film revolve around? Arsenal. Which film links Kirsten Stewart and Jesse Eisenberg? Um, is it Adventureland? In which film is the following, has the following tagline, he loved the American dream with a vengeance? Oh. the <laughs> <laughs> American dream with a vengeance. I want
1: to say Die Hard, uh, but I'm going to go with to america, <laughs> <laughs> you can, <become> america.
0: <laughs> can we go back to uh, 2006 i'm trying to think what came out in yeah. 2006 hey we've got a couple more questions for you all oh, right, right right in which film does robert de niro play sam rothstein or rothstein however you pronounce it uh, casino right in yes. greece what is john travolta john travolta plays danny but what is the character's surname Oh God! For some reason, the desire to say Devito. <laughs> it's um,
1: <laughs> uh, it's, T- Truman Trubic, Danny, Danny uh, Truffaut, or something. I, I don't know. Right. What is the full name of the fourth Harry Potter film?
0: Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Right. Uh, last chance for the Oscars. Oscars 2006. Who won the Best Actress Oscar? Wasn't going to part of crying. Uh, we'll just say Gwyneth Paltrow Right, what we're going to do is stick a quick record on And then we'll be back with the answers And then we'll someone's going to get himself a Yorkie Lying <laughs> Hard Radio <laughs> McFly there with Fallen in Love Fallin You played McFly on your last show We like, were too busy talking to notice Like McFly Clever <laughs> right, then, uh, these two geniuses sat opposite me. We're going to run through the questions. <laughs> Daniel had questions set one, which was as follows. Who directed the Truman Show, The Way Back and Witness? It was Peter Weir. Yes. Who won the Best as- Actor Oscar? That's really hard to say. The it. Best ass Oscar? <laughs> That's a different <laughs> set of awards, Paul. Yeah, well, Russell Crowe won it anyway. Um, Off of the Beautiful Mind. The Dog in the Back to the Future films was Einstein. Although, yes. in one of the alternate timelines, he's got a different name, hasn't he? It's Copernicus. Sorry, I'm just being a nerd. I'm just being a nerd. I do apologise. No, no, that's fine. <laughs> um, what is the th- name of the third official James Bond film? It was Goldfinger. Christian Bale did make him out in Psycho before Captain Crow's man, the Lynn. Don Vito dies after Sonny, mm-hmm. so you're right to say Sonny. In Ghostbusters, Ernie Hudson's full character name is... Do you, wanna, do you know this one? Oh, it's Walter. It's Winston Zedmore. Winston Zedmore. Oh, who cares? <laughs> it's a
2: very overrated
1: film. Whoa. <laughs>
0: It's fine if you're twelve, just, but when you- m- whoa, whoa, whoa! <laughs> <laughs> Paul, Paul, please, move on, please, yeah. draw a line, um, under his wrongness. He like a new kid, it is from Casablanca, Angelina Jolie's father is John Voight. In High School Musical, the nickname of the basketball team is-, is it the Wolverines? It's the Wildcats. <laughs> the Wildcats. Go Wildcats. Timothy Olfent and Anisha Cuthbert starred in- The Girl Next Door. Yes! <laughs> <Of course. laughs> the film had the following tagline, check in, relax, take a shower, it was psycho. Was oh, oh. is it the remake? No, no. Oh, the, original. Yeah, the original. Don't
2: film. mention the remake. Um, it?
0: Gus Van Sand. Elephant's a good film.
2: Elephant is a good film. To Die For is good, but everything else is pants. <laughs> in which film did Robert De Niro play Father Bobby?
0: It was Sleepers. Oh, well, yeah, when you said Awakenings, I'm thinking... Uh, yeah, Priest, Priest, Bobby. In, in Twilight series, uh, Edward's surname is Cullen, and the fifth Harry Potter film is The Order of the Phoenix, and Daniel, you scored ten. Hey,
1: Not a bad Not a bad effort.
0: Bird. And (laughs) Graham, Uh, you were right. Brett Ratner did direct uh, Red Dragon, Rush Hour, and Family He also had a chain of gold uh, jewellery shops which went down uh, the pan. (laughs) That was his dad.
1: Um, If only he would come out and say that all of his films were terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Superman's brilliant. What are
0: you talking about? Um, jest. At the 2006 Oscar Ceremony, Helen Mirren won the Best Actress Oscar. I'll not repeat Graham's reaction when I told them the film was- Yeah, clean, I was, was nine years out.
2: Did Jeff Daniels get an award that year?
0: <laughs> Jeff Daniels should be awarded every year. The the Orang- Arachnophobia was a brilliant movie. <laughs> but the squid in the
2: world is dreadful.
0: The orangutan in Every Which Way But Lose was called Clyde. Uh, the 19th I- official James Bond film was The World's Not Enough. I so don't care if you don't get any other questions right. I remember Clyde. On, hang on a minute. 19th official? Official. Yeah. But yep. surely, never say
2: never again is unofficial. Yeah, so I'm not a Die
0: another
1: day is the 20th.
0: Yes, yeah, so if you count. Okay, one back, yes, yeah. I see what you mean. Uh, Nick Cage did start in Snake Eyes before Eight uh, mm Vin Diesel did die first and ahead of. Uh, Even though we all saying? know that Vin Diesel can't die. And Graham, you, you absolutely broke my heart with this one. Ghostbusters. Oh, what is Dan Aykroyd's fun full character's name? Penguin? No, Dan Aykroyd. <gasps> oh, uh, no. The disappointment in this room, apart from Daniel, who was I laughing at I wasn't
1: listening properly, and I just went with. It was Sorry, Raymond Stan. Raymond Oh! The thing is, I, I'm not going to get a point for it, but, you know,
0: he was called Venkman, Peter Venkman. True. The, the line, go ahead, make my day, was from Sudden Impact. But the character is Dirty Harry. Yes, of yes, course. Nice remember, Kate Hudson's father had to give that casino both of her fathers, which was an interesting conception. Um, <laughs> it was for Goalie Horn. <laughs> Arsenal was the team of uh, in Fever Pitch. Kirsten Stewart and Jesse Eisenberg were, did star in Land, Good knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, he loved the American, de- American <laughs> Dream with a vengeance. Was Scarface?
1: It wasn't America then? No. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Sam Rothstein was Casino. Good stab in the dark there. Yeah. <laughs> John Travolta, it was Danny Zuko.
1: Look, I said Truffaut, I knew yeah. it was along with Not <laughs> not DeVito.
0: <laughs> and the fourth official Harry Potter film is uh, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, so you got that right. You also scored <laughs> ten. standing
1: <laughs> Outstanding words. That
0: is, that, is, that is purely, I
1: mean, I did off air make a joke, do you want us to get a draw on purpose for the tiebreaker? Um, that tie- is that is, that is genuinely
0: an accent. So is this ta-
1: first one in wins?
0: No, no, this is... <laughs> it, <laughs> that's it, how most men... <laughs> sorry. This is, this is nearest, <clears throat> right? The film of Rocky made a lot of money worldwide, to the nearest hundred million. What <laughs> isn't that a bit? How much did Rocky make worldwide? Daniel, go first. You, got, you went first with questions. Um, Four hundred million. Four hundred million. And Graham, your guess. Three hundred million. Three hundred million. Graham is right. Oh well, he's mm-hmm. nearest. Sorry, he's still well off. It made two hundred and twenty-five million. That's worldwide. why I thought doing
1: in the hundred millions was a little bit easy well, not easy but it was a bit sort of
0: yeah, the I ceremony didn't... to the well, nearest billion how much did titanic make there you go graham there's the, to there's which the, man the answer is Chocolate. who cares yes <laughs> well done Graham. Thank well very done. Much. you won the uh, first and last ever quiz i am shocked and i couldn't have written it any better for a bit of drama there ten each so yeah there we have it so that that's us that's eleven o'clock that's our movie hour done as daniel will be back next week with richard Dill. yeah just say film of the week is true grit next week's cult film will be
2: mad max so don't miss
1: that oh
0: Mad max uh,
2: It loses points because of the third one Yes, but we're only doing the first two. <laughs> That's fair enough. Right, no, not, getting...
1: not, the, not the remake with
2: um, Tom, Tom Hardy. Hard. Yeah, which has been delayed again because they're making Happy Feet 2.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Disgraceful, isn't it?
2: Radio, the voice of